G'day everyone. How are you going? I'm Andrew. I'm one of the ministers here at Menai Anglican. Whoever you are, wherever you're joining us from, great to have you with us. Uh, I hope you've had a great week. Uh, this last week was my nephew's birthday, his first birthday. This is Freddie at his birthday party with some of the other kids in my sister's mum's group. Freddie's always been the biggest in the group, a fact that my brother-in-law, Ed's, always been very proud of until recently. Freddie's nearest rival, Mabel, started walking on her own. She's overtaken Freddie and Ed's very disappointed. But maybe it's not such a bad thing because as it is, Freddie can't sit still. He's always on the go. The minute he starts walking, he'll be running. And we've all seen the toddler who's just learned to run. They just got to run everywhere, including straight into danger because they just don't understand, right? They're too young. They think it's a game, especially when mum and dad give chase after them. They run laughing and giggling straight into danger, which is why mum or dad will go chasing after them to scoop them up out of danger, uh, pulling them away, sometimes kicking and screaming back into safety. Today, we start a new series of Whales, Woes, Weeds and Wonder. Try saying that four times fast. And apart from some brilliant poetic alliteration from our senior minister, Bruce, who came up with the title, those four W's are all features in the book of Jonah. And yes, Jonah is a strange story. But at its heart, Jonah is a short, simple story of running and chasing. Jonah runs from God. He runs to his own self-destruction. He runs to the destruction of others. And in loving mercy, God chases him down to save him and then through him, save an entire people. And because of that, what we have in Jonah is one of the clearest, most concrete pictures of what the Bible means by sin and grace. Sin is running from God. And grace is God's loving pursuit. That's it. Running and chasing, sin and grace. And what you need to know right now, as we start this story together, it's no matter who you are, this story is for you. Yes, it's strange. It's weird. But in this story, there are some deep and rich, profound truths. Some are hard to hear, but some are wonderful to hear. What you will see in Jonah, if you're willing to stick with us and if you're willing to be open and honestly examine yourself, I think you will see those truths in yourself too. This will be a great time of self-discovery and learning for all of us as we go on this journey of Jonah together. So let's get started. How does Jonah begin? Verse 1. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai, go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. So we are introduced to Jonah. He is God's prophet living around 800 years before Jesus. At that time, Assyria was the world's superpower and they were the arch enemy of Israel. And so God calls Jonah to go to Nineveh, which is the capital city of Assyria, to go there and preach against them. How does Jonah respond? Verse 3. 
But Jonah ran away from the Lord and he headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Now, let's get a visual on this. First, Jonah walks from his small hometown at point A, roughly in the middle of that picture there, a town called Gath Hefer. And he walks about 50 to 70 kilometres in, if you want to picture, the Middle East, down south towards Joppa where he then boards a ship for Tarshish, which is all the way over there to the left at point C. Meanwhile, where is Nineveh? It is back in the opposite direction at B. Basically, Jonah says, if Nineveh is that way, take me the other way. Get me on the first boat. That'll take me as far away from that place as possible. Why? Why does Jonah run? Or is it fear? You know, the Ninevites, they might reject his message or even worse, kill him. Is it pity? Is it that he feels sorry for the Ninevites? Is it that he doesn't want to bring along this harsh message of judgment? No. Later in the story, in chapter 4, we find out what it is. Jonah knows that God is a compassionate, gracious God, abounding in love, relenting from sending calamity. Jonah's afraid that if he goes to Nineveh, they might actually listen to him and repent and turn to God. And Jonah wants them destroyed. They're the enemy of Israel, they're a threat to his people. He wants them gone. Which is quite shocking, isn't it? Right? But before you completely write off Jonah, just imagine for a moment, just imagine. You're asked to pack your bags, uh, to pack up your home, your family, your life, uh, to move to a a foreign place, putting on hold whatever plans, whatever hopes and dreams you have, to set up shop, uh, to live in a place where you will be in the minority, where you will be actually hated because of who you are, because of your religious views, and yet It is exactly why you're to go there, to preach those views, views that will put your life in danger. Now, would you go? Would you go? It's easy to be hard on Jonah, isn't it? But perhaps we shouldn't. God calls Jonah to go to Nineveh and Jonah says no. And I think on one level, you and I can all understand that. Because like Jonah, if we're honest with ourselves, there has been times and there are times when we too have said no. No, God, this is my life. I'm going to live it my way. And in the Bible, that is the essence of sin. We don't want to live under God's rule. We want to make our own rules, and so we run from God. And you might be thinking, well, so what? It is my life. Of course I'm going to live it my way. What's wrong with that? Fair enough. But do you know why God wanted Jonah to go to Nineveh? It's because Nineveh was a city running from God. They were making their own rules, and as a result, it was destroying itself from within In chapter 3, we're told it is a city full of violence. 
In verse 2, God had seen their wickedness. He'd seen the pain and the oppression that they were inflicting upon one another. What does God do? Does he then turn his back and run like Jonah? No. God sees their pain and his heart cries out for them. He sees their violence and it fills him with righteous anger. He sees their brokenness and it breaks him. He reacts exactly how Jonah ought to react, exactly how you and I ought to react towards sin and its effects. God sees how far Nineveh had run from who he had created them to be. And so what does he do? He sets his heart on them for salvation. Not destruction, but salvation. Because that is who he is. He's not like Jonah. He's not like us. He is a God of grace. And he wants to save Nineveh, but not Jonah. No, Jonah wants to leave Nineveh to its own self-destruction, and so he runs. And that is why sin is a problem. In the moment of sin, when you and I decide my way is better than God's way, my plan is better than God's plan, it seems harmless. It seems desirable, it is desirable, but it destroys. It destroys what God created to be good. It's the reason why we look around the world and see so much pain and violence and destruction and suffering and betrayal and corruption, abuse, hurt. And it's not just that we look out there and see it, right? Because you and I all know we've all been hurt by someone else's sin and we have hurt someone because of our sin. Do you know the very first step in Christianity is to admit you've sinned? It's to admit that you've said, no, God, this is my life. I'm going to live it my way, by my rules. And it doesn't matter who you are. This applies to all of us. You have run from God. You are running from God. Sin sadly, is involved in all of our lives. We feel the effects and we cause those effects at the same time. And until you are willing to admit that, you cannot take those first steps back towards God. So Jonah runs. He runs to the destruction of Nineveh and now we'll see that he runs to his own self-destruction. Because what does God do? Verse 4, God sends a storm. And in this storm, we see two things. We see God's righteous anger and we see God's fierce love. First, God's righteous anger. You know, sometimes we hear of God's anger and we cringe. You know, like it's the awkward uncle. You've got to accept God's anger, but it's kind of embarrassing. When really, in a world where evil exists, you and I don't want a God who is okay with it. You and I want a God who sees the violence, who sees the oppression, who sees the fallenness in our broken world and says, this is not okay. God sends Jonah, sorry, God calls Jonah to Nineveh because he is not okay with sin and evil, right? And there is great comfort and hope for us in that. This God who is perfect and holy and righteous and pure will not turn his back on injustice. He will not turn his back on violence. 
He will stand up and he will deal with it. This God of righteous anger is our only hope for true justice. And yet at the same time, I wonder if you see now the problem in that. And that is that, well, who of us could stand in the storm of God's righteous anger? And Jonah knows this. He knows that this storm is for him. It's his sin. It's his running that has caught up with him. And everyone on that boat is going to drown because of him. And that very acknowledgement in verse 12 where Jonah says, I know this is my fault. It's the first step in admitting and turning back to God. Jonah admits he has been running from God. And right then, when, when the only thing that makes sense would be for Jonah to cry out to God and say to God, I'm sorry, I'll do it. I'll, I'll go to Nineveh, turn the ship around. In a shocking twist, Jonah says, pick me up and throw me into the sea. Right? Jonah would rather die than go to Nineveh. I mean, how could this be God's prophet? making this call, how could he be so set in his ways, so stubborn, so opposed to God's grace that he would rather die than see Nineveh saved? It, it's incredibly jarring, isn't it? And because of that, I think it is easy to miss the warning here. What you see in Jonah, it means it's possible to grow up with a religious background be regular at church, even in a leadership position there, and yet live in such a way or have areas of your life where your choices, your actions, your words, your thoughts are in complete contradiction to what you say you believe. Are you running from God? Are there areas of your life, maybe in your finances, in your family, in your relationships, in your priorities, in your secret unseen life where you are running? It's easy, I think, to get lost in the strangeness of the story of Jonah. But as we examine this man's heart, if you examine your own heart at the same time, it is scary. Because I wish it wasn't so, but I see myself in Jonah. I see selfishness, I see my pride, I see apathy, I see the good that I ought to do, but I don't because I'm too wrapped up in myself. I see Jonah in me. What about you? Are you running? This God of righteous anger will catch up to you and to me. This storm that came for Jonah, it comes for all of us. And that is the bad news. Let's now come to the good news. The, the sailors, they don't want to throw Jonah overboard. They, they actually want to save him. And so they dig their oars in and they start rowing hard against the storm. But it is futile. And eventually they relent. They give up, they can't get there, and so they throw Jonah in the sea. All the while, as they're doing this, they are crying out to Jonah's God for forgiveness, and they make vows to him. 
which is one of the, the beautiful, wonderful, and great ironies of this chapter. Despite everything that Jonah has done to deny God's grace, going out into the nations, that too is futile. Jonah's efforts will not stop God. They will not stop God's plan to save. And so here we are with these pagan sailors worshipping God as Jonah plummets beneath the depths of the water. It is just so good. We see grace poured out. And right when you think that is it, right, that has got to be the end of the story, the last straw for Jonah. You know, throw me in the sea, I'd rather die. Surely there is no coming back from that for Jonah. It's not the end of the story. In one final stunning twist of grace, as Jonah sinks beneath the raging seas to his death, God sends a fish to save him. And this is the fierce love of God. He sent the storm to save. He sent the fish to save. This is a God of grace. He will not give up. He will not give up on his people and he will not give up on his plan to save. You know, the moment that Jonah bought that one-way ticket to Tarshish, for me, that would have been it. Fine, Jonah, you want to go? Go. Not so, God. Not this God of unrelenting grace. He won't turn his back on Nineveh. He won't turn his back on Jonah and he won't turn his back on you. You know, if you can see yourself in Jonah, then I hope you can also see that there is grace for you, just as there's grace for Jonah. If you know that you've been running for, from God, there's grace for you. If you know there's areas of your life where you've been running from, from God, there is grace for you. If you have ever thought, I am just too far gone, you know, there is just no coming back to God for me now. Well, if there's anything we can take from Jonah's story, know this, that there are no limits to God's grace for you. From his perspective, there is just no too far gone. There is no length that he won't go to to come after you and save you. This is a God of fierce, determined, unrelenting grace. And you and I can find great comfort and reassurance that all of this actually points down the ages to another who would come, who would be called like Jonah to a foreign place, to go to a people who would not receive him, who would despise his message, and yet this Jonah did not run. This Jonah, the Lord Jesus Christ, not only did he preach, but he also gave his life so that there might be hope for runners like you and me. Because on the cross, Jesus Christ stepped into that storm of God's righteous anger, bearing our sin, receiving our penalty. He was forsaken by God so that you and I never will be. Are you running? Is it time to stop and turn back to God? He will not give up on you. He will not stop chasing you. He loves you with a fierce love, more determined than your ability to run. And he will pursue you with an unrelenting grace, more powerful than anything you have ever done. You are never too far gone. 
He will continue to chase you with his grace, with his love. Will you turn back to him today? I invite you to do that now by joining me as I lead us in prayer. All you need to do is make this prayer your own in your heart and in your head as we come before this wonderful God of grace together. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for first loving me with a fierce, determined, unrelenting grace. Even though I've run from you, you would still want me. So much so that you would send your son, Jesus Christ, to come after me. I thank you. I'm sorry I've lived in ways that don't honour you, that say to you, no God, I don't need you, I don't want you, I'm going my own way. Please forgive me. Thank you for Jesus who died in my place, bearing my sin. Today I put my trust in him. Help me to live your way, no longer running from you, but walking with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, if you just prayed with me then, I want to encourage you. You know, the Bible says that every time even just one sinner repents and turns back to God, it is a cause for celebration. All of heaven is rejoicing. So be encouraged. And we'd love to help you take those next steps with God, no longer running from Him, but now walking with Him. And so please get in touch with us through our Facebook page, our YouTube YouTube channel or our website. There is a connect tab on our website and the link to that should be on your screen at this moment now. That link will also come up in the comments section at the end of this service. And you can use that to get in touch with us. We'd love to hear from you and encourage you. And if you're not quite there yet, uh, but still you have questions about Christianity or if something's come up for you in today's talk or if you're doing it tough at the moment and we'll just appreciate the opportunity to talk with someone, please get in touch with us. We'd love to hear from you and we'd love to help you in any way we can. Thanks.